It says in Psalm 90, uh, this was a prayer of Moses, the man of God, and then also continuing into Psalm 91, the idea or the picture that I think comes to mind when we read this psalm is we have to realize that Moses, uh, of course, he saw God do some amazing things. He saw the children of Israel come out of Egypt. He saw the Red Sea parting. He saw the armies of Pharaoh that pursued after them. They were drowned. He saw the miracles in the wilderness and he saw the, the water that came out of the rock and he saw the manna that came down every morning and they were able to eat and uh, he saw the blessings and he saw the power of God. But as they were wandering in the wilderness, Moses saw the power and the glory of God every single day. Because everywhere the children of Israel went, they had the tabernacle. And that tabernacle was situated in the center of the camp of the children of Israel. They would have the different tribes that would be encamped all around, but the tabernacle was in the center. Now, this is not the message, but I believe that the house of God, I believe it ought to be the center of your life. I'm going to have to say that again. I knew I wouldn't get a good response there because we're falling asleep already. But I believe the house of God, the place that Jesus loved, the church, the place that He died for, the place that He gave His life for, the place that He instituted when He said, upon this rock, I will build my church. I believe the church ought to be the center of our lives. I know you're not here every single day. I understand with work schedules and I understand with different things. I think about some of our workers. Some of our workers, you come to church three times a week, but it's only about once a week you actually get to be in church. And I wish it didn't have to be that way. But I think church ought to be the main thing. Church is the institution that Jesus Christ established. Yes, you need to work. And yes, you need to take care of your affairs. And yes, you need to take care of your home. Absolutely. But I believe that the families, I believe we ought to be in church. That's why we try to have so many things for our children and, and not just babysitting, but teaching and training and ministries because the church is going to die if we don't pass it down to the next generation. And if they don't get it for themselves, this place will not be in existence in 20 years. And I tell you, the church is so important. And for the children of Israel, they had that tabernacle there where, where the presence of God was and where they worshiped. And it was in the center of the encampment. Moses lived. Our Bible scholars tell us, and when you study the scripture, uh, I believe that we see that Moses, his place where he lived was in the center of the camp next to the tabernacle. Now think about this. As that tabernacle was situated there in the wilderness, it was a tent-like structure, and that's where they kept the Ark of the Covenant, and that's where they kept the, uh, the, 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 the golden laver, and that's where they kept the, the tables of stone, and that's where they kept all of that there, and they came to worship and offer their sacrifices. But there in that, in that tabernacle was the very presence of God. It was so powerful, and it was so incredible that there was a veil that was put up, that that high priest 
would enter into the tabernacle and he would get back to the holy of holies and it was so sacred and it was so uh, uh, so holy that only one time a year that high priest could even go in there. And when that high priest went into that, uh, that holy of holies, into the tabernacle, when the high priest went in there, uh, they, would, uh, they would tie a rope to his leg. Because if there was sin in his life, or if there was something that was not right, and God were to strike him dead, they couldn't go in after him. Because they would then defile that tabernacle. They knew they'd have to pull him out of there. And I tell you, it was an honor. It was a privilege. And it was not a privilege that everybody had to go into that tabernacle and to go and to offer those sacrifices there on the altar. Moses lived and Moses uh, abode next to that tabernacle. And during the day, there was a pillar of cloud that rested over that place, the Shekinah glory of God. During the nighttime, there was a pillar of fire that rested over that place where the tabernacle would sit. And as Moses in Psalm 90, or Psalm 91, as he is writing, he says, He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow or under the shade of the Almighty. Can I tell you, Moses knew something about that. Also, in the tab tabernacle, there were the, the cherubim that covered with their wings the mercy seat. Again, a picture of the covering of those wings that covered the glory and covered the majesty and covered the holiness and the beautiness of God. And Moses is talking about the fact that you and I can dwell. I didn't say we can see. We can dwell. I didn't even say we can visit. But we can dwell. We can live. We can inhabit. We can spend our lives literally in the presence of the Almighty, Most High God. Now, this is nothing to sneeze at. This is nothing to, you know, yawn about. This is serious because God has given His people the privilege to abide under His shadow and under His protection. I'd like for it to see number one in this psalm, we see the dwelling place. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High. Psalm 90, verse number one, Moses said, Lord, thou hast been our dwelling place in all generations. But there's a difference between a dwelling place, a place where you could live, and the place where you actually do live. And Moses said, I want to dwell. I want to abide. I want to stay. I want to permanently abide in the uh, presence of the Most High. This word here, secret place, this term in the Bible, it literally means a covering place. It's a hiding place. It's a shelter. It's a protection. It's amazing to me that we have, we don't have them as much here in uh, North Carolina, but back in the Midwest, um, most everyone has a basement. Those basements are very, very comforting when tornadoes come through. You like to know you got a basement you can get in. I still, I remember uh, uh, Sam and Lori, I remember, uh, I guess it was probably now about seven or eight years ago, we were in Rockford, Illinois, it was the end of May, and we were in a Sunday night church service and a tornado had been spotted. It was during the service. 
and I was supposed to be uh, uh, preaching. We had a group that was singing. I was supposed to be preaching. And before it came to preaching time, Brother Mark Swanson got up and said, I've just been informed by some of our men that there is a tornado. It's been spotted and it's heading our way. So immediately, everyone from the auditorium, they went into the back rooms that were really, really underground. And they went back in there, and sure enough, the power went out. And we're back there with cell phone flashlights, and we're back there just hoping and praying. And uh, we didn't know what was going to happen. But we got in that secret place. We got in that shelter. We got in that protected place because we knew there was some danger that was coming. Now, here's the amazing thing. We didn't stay there after the storm was gone. After the storm was gone, we got out of there. After the storm was gone, I think we went to go find some food or something. You know, we were hungry. But sometimes that's the way we treat God. We treat God like he's a storm seller. We treat God like he's a bomb shelter. We treat like God like, okay, I'm having a hard time. So God, I'm coming. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get with you. and I'm going to get safe. But that's not what Moses is talking about. He said, you don't just go there once in a while. You don't just get to God when you're in trouble. He said, you need to live there. You need to dwell and you need to abide and you need to stay in the secret place of the Most High. Many people want to use God for an emergency situation, but they don't want to dwell there. Can I tell you, the secret place is the dwelling place that God has for us. Notice with me in verse number one, He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of of the Almighty. We see in this passage two names of God in verse 1. The first one is the Most High. The Most High God is the Supreme One. He is the Lofty One. He is the One that is higher than any other God. He's higher than any other man. And there's not a close second either. He is the Most High Supreme God. But then we see also in verse number 1, we see another name of God. It's the Almighty. The Almighty is the El Shaddai. He's the most powerful one. And that is the God who we can trust. And that's the God who protects us. And that's the God who watches over us. Number one, I see the dwelling place. But number two, I see the deity. You see, Moses was not just talking about a person that could protect you. He wasn't just talking about a fortress or a city that had high walls. But he was talking about the fact that you and I can be safe because we are protected by deity. We are protected by God Himself. You see, in Moses' day, not just anybody could enter that holy place. Not just anybody could enter that sacred place of the holy of holies. But today, I want to tell you, I have good news for you. As God's people... Not only can we see it, and not only can we visit it, but we can live in the secret place of the Most High. You see, Hebrews 4.12, it says, Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. When Jesus Christ, when He died on that cross, the Bible tells us that the veil in the temple was rent in twain from the top to the bottom. Man didn't rend, rend the uh, veil. It was God Himself who broke apart that veil and said there is now access to the throne because of the mediator, Jesus Christ, who sacrificed Himself and gave us access to God. Oh, I'm glad that we can dwell, we can abide, we can stay 
in the secret place of the Most High. The secret place of the Most High. says in verse number 2, I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge. That word refuge is the word shelter. He is my fortress. That is a stronghold. He is my God. In Him will I trust. I want to remind you this evening that for the child of God, the safest place in the world to be is in the very center of God's will. I'm not trying to threaten anybody. I'm not trying to scare anyone, but I am trying to give you a warning and remind you of the reality that if I were not right with God, I want to tell you, I think I'd have a hard time sleeping at night. If I was running from God, I think I'd have a hard time sleeping at night. If I knew that there was something that was not right between me and the Lord, I'd want to get that thing right because the safest place in the world is when you know you're right with God. That's where you get the best sleep. That's where you find peace. That's where you find safety. That's where you find protection in the secret place, in the shadow of the Almighty. Number one, I see the dwelling place. Secondly, I see the deity. We are protected by God Himself. But thirdly, I see there's deliverance. There's victory. There is uh, overcoming power through our deity, through Jesus Christ, through the Almighty God. Verse number uh, 2, the Bible says, I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God, in Him will I trust. Notice verse number 9. Because thou hast made the Lord, which is my refuge, even the Most High, thy habitation. Verse number 14, because he hath set his love upon me, therefore, God says, will I deliver him? There is deliverance. There's victory for the Christian. But hang on. There's not victory for everybody who's saved. It's not what verse 1 says. Verse 1 says, doesn't say, he that knows the Lord is Savior, they're going to have victory 100% of the time. What can I tell you for those of us who seek to dwell close to God. We seek to dwell in His presence and we seek to spend time in His Word and we seek to spend time on our knees and we seek to have that relationship with God that is close and that is personal. Can I tell you, God has promised victory. Now again, think about the children of Israel. They, with Moses, under Moses' leadership, they never had a fortress built. They never had a trained army. They never had an organized defense plan. They wandered in the wilderness from place to place, and as the enemies came against them, they didn't have a city to run to. They didn't have an army to trust in. They didn't have any resources to depend on. They had something better. They had the Lord. He was their fortress, and can I tell you something? He never let them down. He never uh, disappointed. God always comes through. He always delivers those who walk with Him and those who trust Him and those who dwell in the secret place of the Most High. Number four, I see quickly that there were dangers. Moses admits there's no question about it. For the child of God, there are dangers that we all face. The songwriter wrote and said, through many dangers, toils, and snares. I have already come. You know what gets us through the dangers? The grace of God. You know what gets us through the snares? Verse number uh, uh, 5 talks about, and verse number uh, 6 talks about the snares of the fowler. You know what gets us through those things? 
the grace of God. Notice verse 3. He shall deliver thee from the snare of the fowler. A snare is a trap. It is a trap that is set. A fowler is one who would, would seek to trap a, 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 a bird of some kind. And in order for a trap to be effective, it's got to be hidden, right? In order for a trap to work, it's got to be undetected. And Moses is writing and he's saying that God is able to deliver us from the trap or from the snare of the fowler. And he, he makes it as if we as God's people, as if we are a bird. And we are a bird that is totally oblivious to the fact that there's somebody who's trying to destroy us. By the way, there is somebody who's trying to destroy us. His name is Satan. And he is out seeking whom he may devour. And he's really good at setting traps. And he's very good at disguising those traps. And he's very good at, at, at keeping Christians from detecting those traps. But the Bible says in verse number 3 that He will deliver thee from the snare of the fowler and from the noisome pestilence. The noisome pestilence is literally a, a calamity or a destruction. A pestilence is a destroying plague. And think about the effects that that would have had on the children of Israel for a plague to come through and wipe them out. But Moses said God protects us like Little birds, He protects us from those who would trap us. God protects us from destruction and ruin. He protects us from plagues that would come and devastate us. Can I tell you, there are dangers in the Christian life. And you say, well, pastor, I've not really faced many dangers recently. Well, hang on. You know, there's a lot of dangers I think we face every day we don't ever know about. There's a lot of things that God protects us from that we don't even have the foggiest. Think about the things that you protect your children from. Some of you uh, uh, men, or maybe some ladies, but think about the things you protect your spouse from they don't even know about. Think about the things that you and I can do to protect people, and they don't even have a clue. They don't even have any idea. They never see it, and you never even tell them. And I tell you, I think when we get to heaven, we'll be amazed at all the things God has protected us from. And they never even got close enough for us to even see them. Uh, they never even got close enough to touch us. They never even got close enough, for, close enough for us to even know they were there. But God protected. Number five, I see not only the dwelling place, the secret place. I see the deity. I see God who is the one who protects. I see the deliverance, verse number two. I see number four, the dangers. And then number five, I see the dependence says in verse 4, He shall cover thee with His feathers. Now, we were just talking about us as being a bird that was being trapped or being uh, 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 preyed upon. But then verse 4, it says, speaking of God, He shall cover thee. He shall protect thee. That word cover, it means to overshadow or to protect. He shall cover thee with His feathers, and under His wings shalt thou trust. His truth shall be thy shield and buckler. You see, in Exodus 19.4, God spoke to His people and He said, Ye have seen what I did unto the Egyptians, and how I, that's God speaking, how I bear you on eagles' wings and brought you unto Myself. Deuteronomy 32.11, And as an eagle stirreth up her nest and fluttereth over her young and spreadeth abroad her wings and taketh them and 
beareth them on her wings, the same way God took care of his people. Now, here's what's amazing, is God says that he is protecting us with his wings. But also, we see in Scripture that in some cases, God puts us on top of his wings, and he gets us out of trouble. And he protects us. He, he, he helps us to escape from the trouble. But sometimes we go through the trouble and he just covers us. He just overshadows us. The trouble's all around us, but he just says, we're staying put. You're going to be just fine. Sometimes he'll put you on his wings and he'll get you out. How many of you, you don't have to raise your hand, but how many of you have been on both sides of those wings before? There have been times where God gave me the strength and God got me out of a situation. And there's other times where I had to go through it. But I was covered by his wings. I was covered by his protection. I was covered and my dependence was on him. I'm glad that God is dependable. I'm glad that he is worthy to be trusted. Verse number five, thou shalt not be afraid for the terror by night, nor for the arrow that flieth by day. You know, the terror by night is often very sudden. It's unexpected because it is dark. You cannot see the danger coming until it's right there. The arrow by day, that's an interesting uh, uh, phrase. An arrow by day, if somebody was shooting it, an arrow at you, you usually could not even see the person that was shooting it at you. That was a long distance weapon. The Bible tells us that uh, we are to use the shield of faith to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. And the, the psalmist here, Moses, he writes and he says that God is able to protect us from the terror by night. He says we don't even need to be afraid of the terror by night, nor for the arrow that flieth by day. Verse 6, nor for the pestilence that walketh in darkness, nor for the destruction that wasteth at noonday. Moses is using different times of the day and he's using different kinds of enemies and different kinds of problems. And through all of that, he says in verse number seven, a thousand shall fall at thy side and 10,000 at thy right hand, but it shall not come nigh thee. Now think about this. If you had, brother Greg, I need to use you for a minute here. Would you mind stepping up here and Joseph and Mark, I need to use you guys too. You knew I was going to get you guys. And brother Dan, come on up here. We'll use the four of these guys. Now, if I've got four enemies, you guys just kind of surround me here, okay? Kind of one on each side. I want you where I can see you though. Why don't you stay right there? <laughs> brother Greg, come up, come over here. All right. There's some enemies you trust more than others. All right. Okay. Now, if I got four of these rascals all around me, they're by my side. They're at my right hand. If I've got four enemies, that's a lot, right? I mean, if you've got people, one guy on each corner coming at you, that's a lot. But here's what Moses said. What about a thousand? What about 10,000 that are coming at you? And you know what he said? He said, you're going to see them fall at your side, but they're not going to touch you. They're not going to come nigh you. How is that possible? I'll tell you how. Because they that be with us, Elijah told his servant, are more than they that be with them. 
And the angel of the Lord encampeth round about them that fear him. And what's amazing to me is that it doesn't matter if there's a thousand. It doesn't matter if there's 10,000. It doesn't matter if there's 10 million. If God be for us, who can be against us? I'll let you guys be seated. We're not going to have to wrestle tonight, thank the Lord. But here's what I'm telling you. You say, well, pastor, I don't have enemies. No, well, maybe it's not four enemies. Maybe it's four burdens. Maybe it's four problems. Maybe it's four stressors. Or maybe it's 40. Or maybe it's 400. Or maybe it's not uh, uh, people. Maybe it's finances. Or maybe it's not finances. Maybe it's health. Or maybe it's not health or finances or people. Maybe it's relationships. Maybe it is uh, uh, just depression. I don't know what it is, but you may have all of these things around you. Here's what's amazing. When you've got the Lord on your side, it doesn't matter how big the problems are. It doesn't matter how many the problems are. It does not matter how great the problems are. Because greater is He that is in you than he that is in the world. We find in Psalm 91 that we can have dependence. We can have trust in God Almighty. You don't need to be afraid. It says in verse number uh, six, uh, excuse me, verse number five, thou shalt not be afraid for the terror by night, nor for the arrow that flieth by day. Verse number eight, it says, only with thine eyes shalt thou behold and see the reward of the wicked. You know what Moses said? When I see the enemies that are around me, and by the way, Israel had some enemies that attacked, and Israel had some enemies that came after him. But he said, I'll tell you what I saw. Not only did they not get me, but God got them. They got their reward. God took care of it. And aren't you glad that God is able to take care of the enemies? Aren't you glad that God is able to take care of the problems? Aren't you glad that God is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think? He is able. Lord, I thank you for your word. And We didn't get through the entire psalm, but maybe next, uh, next uh, time we have our Sunday night series in a few weeks. But Lord, I believe I've said what I needed to say tonight, and I hope that your word, Lord, will do the work that it can do. And Lord, I hope that I stayed out of the way enough that I didn't hinder it. Lord, I pray that you would help us to get to that dwelling place. Lord, help us this week. Lord, help us to walk so closely with you and be so in tune with you and to be so much in prayer and so much on our knees, Lord, that we can say we're dwelling in the secret place of the Most High. We are staying and abiding under the shadow of the Almighty. Lord, help us to stay close. I thank you, Lord, that you are the God of the universe, but you care about us and you protect us. I pray you'd give us deliverance this week. Keep us safe from the dangers and may our dependence and our trust be on you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together, please. Our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed. I don't know how God spoke to your heart tonight, but maybe you just need to get back to the secret place. If you've ever been there, you know how sweet it is. You know how wonderful it is to be in the presence of the Lord where He walks with me and He talks with me. He tells me I'm His own. That's a wonderful place to be. If you're not there, I've got good news for you. You can get there. 
you can dwell, I can dwell in the secret place of the Most High. We can have the promises that God gives for His protection. We can have those promises of deliverance. We can experience that trust and that dependence upon Him.